We continue with the daily sports feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Rigger. It's a pleasure to have you along. It's a new week. The bye is now in the rearview mirror for James Madison football. They get set for Georgia Southern coming up this this week. Let's talk some JMU athletics and JMU football with Shane Metlin, the JMU beat writer for the Daily News Record. Hi, Shane. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good. Anything exciting this weekend on the bye week? Uh, no, not, not exciting, <laughs> which is kind of how I wanted it. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's been good. How about you? Yeah, kind of the same thing. It was nice. To, it was weird not to have a game on Saturday, but uh, not just kind of watch games and hang out and relax, no doubt. But you know, now now we start to get into this, and you know, I was talking with some people last week, and we we talked so much, and Coach Signetti did as well about the stretch of three consecutive road games. Then you add in the South Alabama game, one of the top teams in the West, that stretch. But all of a sudden, the stretch that they've got coming up is is almost even – obviously now it's even more important because of what they've done. But Georgia Southern's 4-1. Marshall, just despite their loss to North Carolina State this past week, is 4-1. This is a big big stretch for the Dukes these next couple games. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about the challenges, too, of playing three on the road in a row – you know, you don't have that, but you do have the, you know, two games in less than two weeks right. with the midweek game coming up after this one. So, you know, it, yeah, it, it doesn't get any easier necessarily, even after you survive what what really was a gauntlet of uh, the three road games in a row. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, South Alabama, as good as they've looked at times to, to handle them is also a pretty impressive thing. You know, do you, do you feel again, I don't know that we'll, we, we won't probably find out until Saturday, but uh, do you feel like we'll see both linebackers back? We saw a little bit of Taurus Jones. He played just a few snaps in the game against South Alabama. I, I would imagine he's probably close to 100%, if, if not 100%. Jalen Walker hasn't played yet, but uh, I feel like we might have a chance to see both those guys in the field. Yeah, I would think there's like a good chance of that. Um, we'll probably know a little bit more as the week goes on and they start practicing. But yeah, I mean, it, it's never appeared like this was season ending for either guy. They both have just kind of been banged up and, and needed some time to recover. Um, and I'm sure the bye week was huge for both of them coming at this time. Uh, just, you know, able to get some rest and continue to heal and get all the treatment they needed. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see at least one if not both of them and now the question is what do you do with those two plus what Aiden Fisher has done and obviously he's been fantastic he might he's probably been their best defensive player up to this point do they find a way to get all three guys on the field does Jalen Walker Taurus Jones do maybe those guys don't play quite as much it's gonna be interesting to see how that all plays out yeah, I mean, I would think they probably do some things with all three guys on the field. Yeah. Uh, you know, Trent Hendrick probably still deserves some playing time right. too, as good as he was. He was playing, um, but you know, I, I maybe it just we've talked about how they wish they had some more depth on the defensive line. Um, you know, linebackers not exactly the same thing, but I mean, I'm sure they can probably just take advantage of being able to rotate fresh guys in there to some degree. Um, you know, especially against a Georgia Southern team that last year just kind of picked them apart in the middle of the field, uh, throwing the ball. So, you know, that's probably maybe one of the biggest things is uh, the matchup this week is maybe having yeah. more of those linebackers healthy. It'll be interesting to see because that, that'll be a big storyline, obviously, this week with Georgia Southern coming up. They're, they're off a bye as well, so they've had a lot of time to prepare. But it's, it's, it's eerie, eerily similar to what it was a year ago. The Dukes were 5-0, and flying high. At that point, they were ranked in the top 25, and then they went down there, and the defense had been phenomenal. They gave up over 600 passing yards to Georgia Southern. So that'll kind of be the theme this week, not to repeat what happened a year ago. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think you know Georgia Southern will put up a lot of passing yards. They do against everybody. Right. It might not be 600 this time. I think that's you know the key for JMU is to make it make it manageable, uh, get some pressure on Davis Brin, maybe put him in some bad situations because he does have a tendency to you know throw some interceptions if he's under fire. So I mean, I think that's going to be the, the key, and you know, coming back to the linebackers, you got guys you can send. Uh, you know, to you know, enhance even those guys up front have so many sacks this year. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's going to be a very uh, a big key that uh, Georgia Southern's really focusing on this week. You know, maybe bringing those linebackers and having guys fresh at that position. Maybe you get more pressure from there, or you know, better coverage in the middle of the field. I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but I, I would think that. Just getting more healthy and having the bye week probably helps JMU in this in this in this case compared to last year. Yeah, I think so too. And just to to, to know what Georgia Southern did to them a year ago too, and they, they they probably know how to defend it a little bit better than what they did a year ago. So we'll see. And, and again, if all three linebackers are healthy, this could be a game where you see all three just because of what what Georgia Southern does. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And yeah. Like you said, I'm sure that the coaching staff has looked at that film more <laughs> yes. times than has been pleasant for them to uh, do no since uh, that game and uh, you know over the past week or two. Um, because yeah, they, they it was the one team that really kind of just picked apart JMU, even in the, the other two losses. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like Georgia Southern where they just kind of did whatever they want offensively. And um, yeah, I'm sure they've come up with some ideas to how to how to prevent that from happening again. You know, do you we're talking to Shane Metlin again from the Daily News Record. Do you feel like there'll be much talk this week about hey, if the Dukes can win this, they're bowl eligible. Now again, that there's no guarantee for a bowl this year. Again, that, that's a possibility. But will there be some of that talk do you think this week? I think so. And I mean, I think you know, a bowl of some sort I think is, you know, certainly certainly possible. It's been Something that's happened every so often, every really kind of every other year. If you take the uh, the um, COVID weird COVID years yeah. out of it, um, there's been a spot for a team that you know was five and seven, and Jamie would be ahead of those five and seven teams on the list this year. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I think yeah, that's definitely something that starts to become talked about. And you start to watch uh, how many teams actually do make it to be bowl eligible and how many spots there might be. Or, you know, even if something like, um, you know, if there's a, this kind of thing has happened before, if there's an odd number of teams, you might see ESPN decide to like have another game somewhere, like Frisco <laughs> or somewhere like that. So I, I think that definitely probably comes part of the conversation once JMU is bowl eligible. Yeah, I think so too. We're talking again to Shane Mellon from the Daily News Record against JMU and Georgia Southern coming up this week. And I, I know last week, uh, kind of a big news during the bye week is that the Attorney General wrote a letter to the NCAA advocating for JMU football to be postseason eligible. And you had a chance to talk to the Attorney General. Kind of what what did you find out about all that? Yeah, I mean, it. I didn't find out, I guess, a ton when you talked to him. I mean, it was pretty much all laid out in the letter. He, uh, you know, just thinks that um, there should be some flexibility with the within the NCAA of, you know, saying, hey, JMU did this the right way. They did play a full FBS schedule in the first year. Um, you're, you're taking away an opportunity from student-athletes, which 
the entire mission of the NCAA is supposed to be to give opportunities to student athletes. And, you know, that's kind of just how he laid it out. And um, he's a JMU alum. He's a sports fan. The, basically the entire administration from the governor on down, they're sports fans. They're paying attention to this kind of thing. Um, and it's, you know, it's a pretty, uh, you, you see it in North Carolina too, where their attorney general uh, wrote a letter and, you know, got some things done. It's a pretty easy bipartisan issue to uh, to jump on if you're a politician that, uh, you know, even if, but no matter what side of the aisle you're on, I think almost anybody can say, hey, <laughs> The NCA needs to get their act together, and uh, you know that's kind of what the, what what he's done. And um, I don't know if anything will come of it really from writing that letter, but definitely, you know, it's interesting timing after a successful campaign in North Carolina to get Tez Walker eligible, uh-huh. um, and that really kind of starting from the Attorney General's office. Um, be interesting to see if anything comes of it. I think it's it's not exactly the same situation, but. Certainly interesting timing that both both of those letters came out in the same week. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> ironic, right? Do, do yeah. you think anything will come yeah. from this? Sorry, what was that, Dave? Do you think anything will come of this? I don't know. I mean, I think if JMU continues to win, if we're talking about a team that's, you know, 9-10-0 at some point, then it's going to be really become like a national story. Right. And, um you know, then it's got to be addressed at some point if JMU continues to win. I don't know if anything changes, but I think it certainly, if nothing else, it's going to make JMU that much more prominent in the national storylines if they continue to win. I, I agree. I think it's going to become a big deal, and that's I, I even asked the the commissioner Keith Gill about that back at the Sunbelt Media Days, and he kind of left the door open if they were undefeated and rolling again. We'll, we'll find out. They've got to keep winning. But uh, so far, so good. And again, we'll see what happens with that. And then you also talked about what the, the Tez Walker situation in North Carolina. Again, they have now approved him, his waiver request. He's going to be able to play. Now, I, you even mentioned last week that it'll be interesting to see now what happens with Heaven Bristow, the, the transfer that's at JMU now for women's basketball, if she'll be able to play. Do you have any insight on that, on, on what you think will happen? Uh, no, I don't know yet. I mean, I know that JMU as opposed to some schools, they really kind of held on to that waiver application until they had absolutely everything they could put into it ready to go. Um, and then submitted it here fairly recently with hopes that they'll get some sort of ruling before the season starts. And that, you know, that's creeping up on us here less than a month. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what their basis for asking for a waiver is, you know, she's not in a situation where she's moving home. Although she did come back to the East coast where she's from New York. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly what the basis for it is. I mean, a lot of times these things that they ask for, it gets kind of personal, whether you experience something at a previous school or something that, um, that, that goes into it. So I really don't know. I, but I would have before such a public, overwhelming reversal on Tez Walker, where there was so much public pressure to do that. I would not have thought that she had much of a chance, but now you got to wonder if like, if the NCAA feels like they've got to uh, grant more of these or face or face more pressure from politicians and state governments and everything else. If, uh, if they're not 
overturning some of these. <laughs> it's, it's because, uh, politicians are now getting involved um, quite a yeah. bit all over the country. So we're talking again to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Records. We talked some JMU football and basketball. And to stick with the, the, the women's side, we talked some men's basketball last week. Any, any news right now out of the women's basketball program as they continue practice? Uh, I mean, not any significant news. I'm actually going to go watch some practice a little bit here later today. Um, we'll see. I mean, I think, you know, it should be a good team. It'll question kind of, you know, if anybody can step up uh, with the loss of Kiki Jefferson. And, you know, we just talked about Heaven Bristow. I think she's somebody who could really pick up a lot of that slack as, you know, just such a good athlete on the wing for JMU if they have her. If they have her, I think – the Dukes are probably the favorite in the Sun Belt again. If not, I mean, maybe it gets a little bit dicier for them. But, um, you know, Peyton McDaniel coming back, obviously going to play a bigger role. Um, they're going to have to find somebody who can handle a point guard's job. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably probably transfer Livia Mullins yep. so as a front runner for that one. But, um, yeah, really just kind of interested to see them get on the court and, you know, play against somebody else because a lot coming back. But, you know, you obviously missing one of the best players in program history, so it's gonna gonna be interesting. And I can I feel kind of the same way about the men too. Obviously, Terrence Edwards, and they've got some good pieces back, but so many new faces that that we've heard about, and just kind of see how they all fit together against somebody else. Yeah, I mean, the men. I think you know one of the bigger things that's happened is that you know they announced that they lost Justin Amati for mm-hmm. the season. They're going to be a little bit less deep and younger in the front court. Um, you know, I think, I think it might end up, you know, a case where they rely on TJ Bickerstaff a lot, and I kind of expect him to have a big year for JMU. It seems like he's um, going to be pretty special for them. It, it just kind of yeah. feels that way. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who wasn't asked to score a whole lot at Boston College, but was a really, really good rebounder and a, uh, you know, really good defensive player in the post. But he was a double figure scorer in the CAA before transferring. So I would think at this level, you know, back in a mid major, he, he's got a chance to, you know, put up some really good numbers for JMU across the board, especially if, you know, they're a little thinner up front and he might end up playing some more minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. We're getting time to Shane Metlin from the daily news record. And obviously JMU volleyball continues to roll. They are unbeaten in the Sun Belt. They're rolling right now. They swept ODU over the weekend. Um, uh, men's soccer tied number three, West Virginia, 2-2 yesterday. So, a lot, again, a lot of great stuff going on this spring with, with, with really all the sports. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned men's soccer. They bounce back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the women's soccer team's got a um, a unbeaten streak going. You know, <laughs> yeah, a lot of ties lot in of there, ties, including yeah. a, a scoreless tie against ODU um, the other night. Yeah. But um, yeah, the the fall sports have fall, yeah, been successful most most mostly across the boards. Field hockey struggled yep. quite a bit here recently, but um, you know, volleyball um, is looking like a team that probably has a good shot to make the NCAA tournament, even if they slip up in the Sun Belt tournament. I, mean, I think uh, so too. Yeah, yeah, fifteenth in the RPI right now. Um, you know, their strength of schedule will take a little bit of a hit playing in the conference, but they still got um, still got South Alabama later down the line, which will be a big one for them. Yeah, they're rolling right now, six zero in Sun Belt play, and they swept ODU over the weekend. All right, good stuff as always, Shane Metlin. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll see you again this week. All right. Thanks, Dave.